and I really, there's so much you can, you know, there's so much more you can talk about. But I was thinking, what's the most practical thing we could do that you could walk away with? And I thought about what if we did a kind of worked a model today, a model of what happens when you are you either insert yourself or you get drawn to a you get between two highly conflicted people. We've talked about this all along and all the different ways to look at it. But what happens when there's this intentional or even unintentional engagement where you're stuck between a couple of people who don't do well? Have you ever had that experience before? You been down that? What do you do with that? Is there a way to engage uh, when 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 people are different places, and not only at different places, but they maybe even are pretty hostile toward each other. There's there's all kinds of scriptures. The one turn to Acts 15. This is this is uh, somewhat of a model that we'll look at, right? And we'll use as a reference. I'm not going to read through it. We have so little time. But you know the you know the story of the Council of Jerusalem. Different opinions on circumcision, how it should be managed. They have this conference. But I, I, this morning, what I want to talk through step by step, if you choose to be engaged, and remember, engage yourself in conflicts of choice. If you choose to be engaged between two other people, not between you and them, although these tools, some of these tools would work, but you somehow are drawn into other people's stuff and you choose to go there, what are some things you need to think about? Is that fair enough? So let's uh, kind of jump into that this morning. I want you to talk to me. But when you, let's say there's this moment. And someone comes to you, and they say, I've got a real problem with this person, I need your help, I've got this conflict, and I can't work it out, and you need to help me figure it out with this person, alright? And you have this moment, let's say you go to Pizza Hut, do the last two people I ever have, and uh, you're sitting there, you're, you're having this conversation, this person says, man, we just can't get along, we have this problem. Would you help me fix this? What should be your first response? You're sitting in that moment. What's the first thing you've got to decide? To be involved or not. Okay. To choose to be involved or not, right? All right. And remember, we've talked about this before. The most powerful person in the triangle is the person who's been invited in because you have this choice. I can do it or I don't have to do it. I can be engaged or I don't have to be engaged. Let's say in that moment you decide, you know, I think you either, you either uh, it was the pizza you ate or the Lord's talking to you, but one or two reasons you're thinking, yeah, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to help out. All right? So in that moment you say, okay. I will try to help this situation. What's the next thing you need to do? Ask them what they've already tried. Okay, great. So what, how's it gone before? Well, the first question I asked, so when you got together, the two of you tried to sort that out, how did it go? And let's say for a minute that they're highly unusual people and they actually did try to sort it out. You know? Let's say, oh, it was terrible. We couldn't get along. We started talking and escalated, you know, and it, it's this thing. It's, it's personal between us. We don't know how to manage it. What's the next thing you have to think about? Setting some ground rules. Okay. Yeah, it's actually the second thing, right? So one of those, we'll go back to this. Ground rules, great. But there's one more thing you've got to do in your introduction. This person 
has invited you in. But who hasn't necessarily invited you in? Right. Yeah. The other party. The other party. <coughs> and it's interesting how often we make assumptions that the other party even wants us involved. You ever seen that one happen? I'm going to just go, you know. And so here you sit. Now, this is how it happens most of the time, even in professional settings. Occasionally, two parties come to a person and say, would you help us sort that out? But that is super, super rare. It's rare that they even can get along, right? They can get along well to decide on who gets to help them sort this out. Even with elders and, and ministers at church, let's look at that one, you know. They rarely go to the same elder. One goes to their favorite elder, other goes to their favorite. One goes to their favorite minister, other goes to their favorite. You know? So they're usually out there building their coalitions. You come in, that person says, I want to work this out, and you feel called to help them work it out. But you've got this problem. The other person hasn't invited you into that discussion. And guess what? You don't have the right to be involved if they don't invite you in. You don't get to sort other people's stuff out for them if they don't want you to. That's a hard thing for some of us to realize. You don't, have, you don't have the ministry of telling people what to do. That's not in the Bible. So how do you do this? So we're in this kind of weird moment because let's kind of talk about the, the challenges that are now you've gotten. They come to you. They, this person invites you in and wants to help you sort other stuff out. You now have an immediate hurdle. And what's that immediate hurdle besides that person had invited you in? What's the next hurdle you've got to face? Because that other person, say it's between Matt and Dave, and Dave comes to me and says, you need help. You know, Matt's impossible. He's this huge jerk. We're trying to deal with him. It's just horrible. It's escalating. I want you to help me sort it out. The very fact that Dave invited me in does what, Matt? Makes me feel like you're on Dave's side. Yeah. You've got this problem of now there's this belief that you're going to be biased coming into it. Fair enough? So... What do you do? What's your job? If you decide to be involved, what's your job? You have to establish, I guess, with the person you, that just brought you in, a little bit of neutrality with them. Right. To some extent to say, I may be able to help out, I may not be able to help out. I've got to talk to the other person. Exactly. Because this is, listen, managing stuff, right? Right. It's a trust issue, Dave, right? I mean, it's a matter of how do you... You've got to establish trust or credibility with the other side. If you look at Council of Jerusalem, there was already a trust built, right? So apparently, you don't have a lot of context, but apparently there was this belief on both sides you could go to Jerusalem and have this leadership help you sort it out, right? That rarely is the case in your, your situation. You're going to have to sit down with people and establish that there's going to be some neutrality. I don't, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of discussion around the idea of can somebody truly be neutral? Uh, I, I don't think it even matters that much. I think it does matter if they believe that you can be fair. Right? I mean, I'm involved in a lot of discussions where I don't have neutral feelings about it. If you've ever been down that road, you're facilitating discussions, and I'm sitting there going, I have a pretty strong feeling about what's right and wrong here, but can I be fair in this discussion enough that both sides are represented? Can you do that? If you can't, you're going to have to back out of the discussion. So if somebody comes to you and says, we want to sort this out, and you don't have enough relationship to build trust with that other person, there's not a way for you to do that, 
then probably you don't need to be leading this. Is that making sense at all? It's really funny how often you see people who are highly involved in a conflict uh, feel like it's their job to fix it for other people. So it would be the idea of, uh, you know, some relative of yours come to you and want you to go work something out with somebody else. There has to be at some point or in this discussion, you've got to ask yourself, can I be fair enough? Can I be neutral enough? And by the way, can I, do I have the ability to level the power in the play, make the playing field level enough where those two people can be heard? And it could be that you're not the person to do that. Is that, that making sense? Has anybody here ever tried to intervene in a conversation where you weren't trusted or felt like they already, somebody already felt like you were already on the other person's side? What did that, that feel like? Someone tell me. What, what, how did that work out? It just makes you feel like either A, you're, you're giving up on a friend, or B, you're bullying the other person. Right. It just felt like everybody loses, except for maybe the person who you just on their side as you yeah. went with them. But yeah, it just doesn't feel good. And here's what interesting is, you really run, let's face it, when you accept engaging other people's stuff, you run risk on both sides. You run the risk of the other party who doesn't necessarily trust you, right? But you run a risk with the person who invited you in. Because why did they invite you in? You're right. You're kind of their, their gunslinger. I mean, you know, they went to you because they thought that you would work stuff out in their favor. Is that, that fair? You're going to take their side. And suddenly you go and talk about being neutral and not choosing sides. There's a real, in fact, I find it more common that you tick off the original invitee more often than you tick off the person <laughs> who invites. Is that making sense? Who didn't invite you in? You, we see it's a lot of companies who will, like, call me and say, hey, we're having a problem here. Or one of my, uh, you know, favorite calls was a guy who's like, you need to come down here to so-and-so church cross and so-and-so part of the country. We got problems and you need to sort this out. And I said, great, now who are you? Well, I'm a member. Do you have any influence in how this goes? Nope, I think you should need to fix it. I said, I don't get to call people up and go, well, Joe Blow thinks you guys are crazy. You know? I mean, there's got to be some conversation. Or they'll invite, I had another elder invite me in in another state. And as an elder and his son was the preacher, the other elders wanted to fire his son because he was horrible. Uh, the elder brought me in to protect his son. And, you know, we went through the process. In the end, my recommendation is the son should quit and the elder should resign. It went over super well. So uh, <laughs> I remember that dinner at that restaurant that went really well. I said, we, we pinpointed the problem, and it's you, you know. This is kind of an interesting dynamic. So there's a really good chance. You, you've got to know there's risk to be involved in a, involved in a conflict, and the risk is personally less with the person who doesn't, who didn't invite you in and more with the person who did. Making sense? Because the worst thing that happens for, you know, Dave invites me, the worst thing that happens, Matt's like, can we talk about Matt? It's like, no, not really. I mean, you know, and Matt just kind of put, then Dave's ticked at me because I didn't follow through what I, you know, the danger comes from the invitee side. And the inviter side, is that making sense to you, right? So now you've got this in interesting introduction, which is, you know, you, you have to be somebody that both sides can look at and have some kind of credibility. And if you can't figure that out, you need to get out of it. 
You do nobody any good by continuing to try to fix their stuff for them when you're not the right person to do it. Have you ever seen that one go on before? Keep involved and keep involved, and you end up making matters worse. You with me? Now, let's pretend for a minute that first part works out. So, you know, I go out, and I sit down with Matt, and I say, hey, well, look, Dave's sitting out with me. He's pretty broken up by this thing. Y'all tried to work this out, and he did. And he asked me if I could help sort this out. I really, I know he invited me in, and I know you're going to perceive I'm on his side, but I'm really not. I just want two brothers to work it out. Would you be willing to let me engage and help you guys have a conversation? We can go down that road, and for some odd reason, Matt loses his mind and says, okay, see, you can help us out with this. The next step then becomes, we just want ground rules. The mistake I many, many times have seen people, elders, and leaders make is understanding how to set ground rules for a difficult discussion. My dad was an elder for a long time uh, through, through a church split, you know, and he once said the only contradiction he ever saw in the Bible was had to do with the elders that ask you to desire the office and ask you to be of sound mind. <laughs> Nobody of sound mind wants to be an elder. That was his line, you know. But he felt trapped because so many people were pulling at him all the time. Fair enough? So, I see this happen. People sit down with the best of intentions, and they sit at a table, and they just start talking, hoping things work out. And many times, they're worse when it started than when it began. It's because they didn't set good ground rules. What might be, you guys help me out for a minute. So, let's pretend that you're sitting down with two highly conflicted people. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. You know that they both love Jesus, but there's this serious conflict that's escalated. You're going to manage that conversation. What are some of the ground rules that you might want to put in place for that conversation before you have it? This is just common sense. There's nothing, nothing tricky, nothing, just some common sense expectations. What might they be? Don't interrupt. Okay, number one is... You don't have Beck, that's a, you know, you don't have the right to interrupt somebody else. In fact, I'll go one step further. This isn't this isn't a conversation between you and him. It's a facilitated conversation, facilitated conversation through me. I, you don't even get to you, it may be so highly conflicted, they don't get to talk to each other early on. They just get to talk to you who talk, you know, and you manage, and it could be one of the rules is I'm gonna control the conversation. You don't get to interrupt. And maybe you don't even get to talk to each other early on till I till I can see that you guys can can talk to each other correct. What might be another ground rule? We're only going to deal with facts, okay, as opposed to emotions. All right, we can listen to emotions, right, and we can hear all that, and we can acknowledge those. But emotions may not drive, you know, may not drive our decision here. So you can be really, really upset. But being really, really upset may not determine how we end up. That could be a, that could be a ground rule. What, what else might be a ground rule you could use? What's said in this room stays in this room. Okay, could be the confidentiality. By the way, they will violate that. So uh, <laughs> you can say that one all day long, you know, unless you got someone to sign it and then, you know, end up throwing it. <laughs> but, 
But yeah, but you say, you know, listen, this stays here. We want this to stay here. We find this the best interest thing here. We need to keep this, you know, my favorite line, may not, may not use this one in church, but this is like Vegas. What happens here stays here. Maybe not the best in church. <laughs> you know, but we've got to keep this conversation confidential. Knowing for sure they won't. They just won't. I've never seen them do it yet. Uh, in church settings, they tend to go out and immediately repeat it to somebody, but at least it's something you can talk about. What else might be another ground rule? Is it a ground rule to... Um, the ground rule is nothing but expectations. To talk about where this might end up, the two roads that they go, and the role that they play in getting to either one of those positions? So one of the things we can talk about are expectations, right? And so part of you, I think you might want to do during this section, I'm simplifying things, I'm going to copy it. During this section, you want to talk about kind of expectations of here's how, if we end up in this spot, here's kind of what I would like us to, to do. We, do you want them to, to pray together? Do you want them to actually write down their, their conclusions and sign it? Do you want, you know, those things can be things you can talk to them about early in the ground rule setting. This is, and what you're doing to them is letting them know, by the way, no matter what your ground rules are, we're just not sitting down and you guys are hashing it out one more time. We actually have a process to kind of resolve this. Right? Is that making sense? Anybody other ground rules you might think of? You don't get to perceive intention on the other. Oh, yeah. Now, or, or you might want to say, when you do, because they will, I'm going to call you out on that. So one of my jobs is to call us out when we step out of line. And one of those things we do is basically... Uh, uh, FAE, uh, Fundamental Attribution Era, I'm going to attribute motives to you. That's what people do. When you start attributing motives to people, I'm going to call you out on that. And so if you're in here, and by the way, we never attribute positive motives to people in a situation like this, you know? You ever, I know what they're thinking. I know what they're up to. Oh, you know, unless they got a glass head, you don't know what they're thinking, you know? Uh, my, I don't, my wife ain't know what I'm thinking. She's a super good guesser. That's what I tell people. <laughs> But the, the deal is that when people get to attribute motives, you know, and so when you mean to attribute motives or get out, the part of my job is to keep us on task, and I, I, may, I may call that out. And that's great. Any other ones you may want to bring up? These are all, you see, there's not a set list, but they're things you need to be thinking about. What might be some other ground rules you would, you would want? No name calling. Yeah, okay. Don't, you know, basic <laughs> kindergarten stuff, right? No name calling. Uh, physical. What's that? Don't get physical. Yeah, don't, don't get, hey, listen, you know, don't be physical because who you're talking to. That might not be a bad idea. No, no, no name calling, no hitting, all those, all those rules you learn in kindergarten, you're going to have to say to these Christians in the room. Right? Uh, another one is, uh, in that moment, I have a rule in this kind of environment that you can't use anonymous sources for information in this conversation. A number of people are upset. Well, one's a number, you know. Everybody. Another one is the the escalation. So go. Remember, we did the five steps of leads. If you've been in here, at a certain point, we get to escalate and dichotomize. Everybody's us. I doubt that everybody. There might be one person this morning in the church who's not upset about this besides you, right? And so, when you begin to, to dichotomize or escalate. When you begin to use anonymous sources, in fact, th that rule is, unless you can name the source, we can't use it in conversation. 
That's not a bad rule for church in general. You know, well, a number of people, uh, you did this, a number of people were upset. Did you give me that list? Who are they? Well, they, they, I'm keeping that confident. They didn't want me to share it. Then that's not a fair rule. You can't use that. We can't use that as a way to move forward if you can't name it. <clears throat> Is that making sense? Now, it's interesting. In a mediation, this is a pretty normal kind of step. I find this is the place I'm most likely to lose them. So it's going to be ground rules. Why? I mean, all we're doing is kind of setting parameters to talk. Why do you think we end up losing people here? The power play. One what do you mean? Is, one group is thinking, if we go down this route, we're not going to get what we want. Yeah. Anybody else? Well, I think you may lose the ground rule level. They already start to lay ground rules that are only directed at the other person. Okay, they're feeling like right. So they're wanting to go to power play. So they're going to want they're going to want as many ground rules that affect the other person that don't affect them. So that's one of the things you run into, right? That's 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 really one of them. What, how else might you lose them? Well, in some ways, I mean, maybe that's just applicable to what other people have already said, but I mean, some of these things sound like they are, are withdrawing people's keys to their argument. So, like, if you can't if you can't sign an anonymous source, and that's all they have to base it on, and they know they can't talk about names of other people who said it, or maybe they were lying and they didn't have it in the first place, then all of a sudden you realize you're going to lose, and so rather than lose, you just withdraw. Right. So what they see is they're losing their ability to leverage, right? What are ground rules doing? They're leveling the playing field. Very rarely do you have two people of equal habits, but most of the time you don't have two people of equal influence and power. There's usually one person who has more influence and power than the other. And, and what the ground rules do is you're leveling the playing field so the person who has influence and power can't lord that over the other person. Or the person who doesn't have class can't do the behind-the-scenes manipulative stuff that they normally do. You're trying to bring it out in the open, we're going to lay it all on the table, and we're going to have some pretty specific ways we talk. Here's another, I mentioned this, but another ground rule is, you, I, I often use early on, and I, I start hard and then let up, but early on is you guys aren't allowed to have direct conversation, direct conversation early on. You talk to me, I ask them, they respond back it's this way, back and forth, until I feel like we can start practicing you guys. Is that making sense? Mm -hmm. You guys talking to each other. Because you'll find if they start talking to each other, it's going to immediately, what's going to happen? What's that? Confident. Yeah, it's going to start escalating. And, and you won't have a lot of control. Is that making sense to you? So whatever they are, and, and here's, my, here's my deal. You need to know what ground rules you want coming in, and then you need to let them think they thought of them. Is that making sense? So you need to know how you want to do it, and then you want to work with them to think that they're the ones who came up with it. And you can suggest them, well, what do you think about this? And, oh, we don't need that. Well, you know, but you, what you don't want to do is, okay, here's the ground rules, pass out your sheet of paper. Because then you just lost it. Is that making sense that you've lost the room? So, so now they sat down, and you've had these conversations, and now we've got ground rules, and, and whatever they are, you set them, and everybody understands them. Then you look up and say, do you agree to these ground rules? Do you agree to these ground rules? We all agree to the ground rules. Then you, at this moment, very clearly establish your role. Not theirs, but yours. 
And what's your role in that moment? I'm not, I'm not talking, you know, a, a legal mediation. I'm talking you're helping these Christians figure out what's your role in that moment? What's your job? I guess. I won't laugh terribly. What might it be? To moderate discussion? Yeah. Yeah, I would use the word to facilitate. I'm here to see if we can figure out a way for you guys to solve your problem. And I'll say it pretty clearly, which means you may not be happy with me this entire time. Because I'm going to lead this in such a way for one goal in mind for you guys to resolve your conflict. And therefore, I may be more directive or less directive. I may get involved, I may not be involved. I may say things that upset you or not upset you, but you've got to have enough trust in me. The whole job of this is to help you move to a better spot, right? Which goes back to that original discussion, making sure you're the right person to do that. Fair enough? Okay with all that? Now, what do you have to be prepared? If you decide to do this, what do you have to be prepared for? Alright, they're going to break the I promise you they're going to break the rules. Whoever said that, you're right. They're immediately going to test you. So early on, somebody's going to do something that broke a ground rule. And if you don't deal with it, what happens? Yeah, you're done. Yeah, it can't, it, you, if you don't deal with the violation of ground rules, you've now abdicated your ability to lead this discussion. <clears throat> and they may be able to work it out, but they have to work it out with somebody else. Because what's now happened? I lost trust in you. Is that making sense? Right. So my main thing I tell right here is please establish ground rules you can actually enforce. Now you two are going to love each other and we're going to pray to Jesus and this is all going to be good. You know, that kind of thing. That's a bad ground rule. And we're all going to have a good attitude. That's a bad ground rule. You're not going to yell. If you are, you better be willing to shut that down because they might, right? So be sure that you've got realistic ground rules you can actually enforce on them. Don't come up with something that you're unwilling to deal with. Fair enough? So we've done all that, right? Isn't this fun? Don't you want to do this? Um, so now you've introduced. People will trust you. They're willing to do it. You sat down. You've established some ground rules. You come back and establish your role. And, and, and that can be whatever you want it to be, but they need to know what you think you're doing. It's shocking how often people get in the room and nobody really knows what anybody else is doing in the room. Well, I'm just here trying to help them work out. What does that even mean? Right? Is your job to lead them in a prayer and go home? Which is just fine, but you're very clear about that. Are you actually going to try to keep them at the table till you figure it out? What are you doing? And you make that clear. <clears throat> then you move into what I call the narrative section. Storytelling section. <clears throat> this can be the most... Um, well, it can be the place that becomes where you get stuck, right? This is where people tell their side of the story. And there's a pretty distinct way you do this. And, and in this situation, we'll be as, I'm trying to make this as simple as possible, flexible as possible. You just let one side tell their story. Now, my history in church settings is I let the person who did not invite me in go first. Is that making sense? Just because I'm trying to establish trust, but I'll say, okay, so Matt, I mean, I need you to tell your side of the story. We've got some ground rules around that. You may have covered the ground rules, may do it now, which is Matt is going to get a specific period. Now, here's for me. 
Some mediators don't agree with me, but I particularly aren't. I'm not a patient person. I don't like to hear people's stories. So <laughs> I set time limits. So because I'm telling you, any, some people just go forever, right? But we're going to take, you know, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever it is, and, and Matt's going to tell everything he understands what happened, what went on, his side of the story for 15 minutes, and guess what Dave's going to do that entire time? What are you going to do that entire time? Listen. You're going to listen. And you're going to actively listen. You're going to nod. You're going to, you know, you can make notes, you can do whatever, but you, I want you to lean in, and I want you to really listen to what Matt says, because when we're done, I'm going to give you a quiz. I don't want to know how we did and, and Matt, you, this is your time to say whatever you feel like you need to say. And if Matt breaks a ground rule, or Matt tells a lie, or Matt stretches a story, or says something that you don't think is accurate, guess what you're going to do? I'm going to listen. <laughs> you write it down, I don't care, but you're going to listen. I'm the only one who's going to interrupt Matt. And then so I can ask Matt quick, but you don't get to. And then we do that story right all the way through. And then I'm going to turn... To Dave, I'm going to say, what did you hear him say? Now, what is Dave going to want to do in that moment? Tell the story. Right. I mean, Dave's going to rebut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it could be time to story to do it. But you're going to rebut what he has to say. So you're going, well, what is this not right? And that's not what I was asking. At this moment, you don't have that opportunity. But in this moment, I'm just asking you to tell me what you understand. I'm not asking you to tell whether it's right or whether it's wrong or whether it's crazy or whatever. You just tell me what you think he said. And then you're going to tell me, and what am I going to do at that moment? When he tells me that, what am I going to do? Turn to Matt and I'm going to say, what? That's not right. Does that sound about right? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, you get five more minutes to kind of, you know, respond, clear it up, go back. Once we go through that, I'm not going to try to fix anything. What's my next step? Every day. Dave wants you exact same thing, same rules, Matt, you listen. That kind of thing. At this stage is where people get stuck. Because they get, they get telling the story and resolving the problem conflated. Is that making sense to you? So while they're telling the story, they're trying to solve it as they go. And that's a huge mistake in this moment. For many people, it may be the first time Dave has heard Matt's entire story. And vice versa. Right, And we don't want to muck that up by trying to resolve it. This takes a tremendous amount of differentiation on your part because this is super uncomfortable. Is that making sense? There's accusations made. There's stuff being said. You're stuck in the middle. And for many of us, that's where the knot in the stomach begins to happen. But this is incredibly important. Do you understand that? And as Christians, sometimes it's tough in church because we want to start putting attitudes on people in this moment. You shouldn't have said that. That was a horrible, you know, that kind of thing is, is not, not appropriate. Now, when you finish the storytelling, for most people, this is where their skill set ends. They want to pray about it, they want to go home. And, and think, okay, now we've got that on the table, that's going to make it all better. Interesting psychology. Anybody here from psychology? I think the worst main class got a psychology background. Interesting readings out of, out of a mentor institute. You ever heard people have, well, I just had to get it off my chest? 
and somehow that makes people feel better. There's actually no evidence of that. In fact, there's evidence it makes it worse. That when people just tell their stories and tell their stories and tell them again and tell them again, and people listen, 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 it actually makes the anxiety worse rather than better. So there's not a tremendous amount of benefit to just letting them sit there and tell their stories to each other. It's just manager says that if that's all you do, all you did maybe is give the other side some more ammunition and maybe frustrated each other. And yet, for many of the church, that's about as far as we know where to go. Fair enough. So what would be the next steps, you think? So once everybody understands each other's story, we want to move to what? Solution. Yeah, problem solving. So, what do you got now? You Usually, this by the way, in church, there's usually years and years and years of junk that's built up. This is not like I've got one problem with one. There's all this junk. So what's one of the things you're going to have to figure out? Issues. What's that? Issue spotting. Like, what are, where are the areas that we can right. work on? What, so what are we going to work on? So all, we got all this. And you, you know. So then you get, you get get a white sheet of paper and get up there and say, okay, guys, what do you see? Now, you know, Matt, what do you see? After hearing all this, it depends on how, how relaxed they are. Whether you're going to both do it or do it one time. But Matt, where do you see the issues being? After hearing both sides, or what do you see? Man, they write them down, write them down, and start trying to figure out what are the common things. And here's the deal. You're not looking for things that's necessarily going to solve every problem between them. What are you looking for? And you, you, you know, you kind of lean toward that already. What did you? What were that words you said? You remember? No, it's been three, it's been forty-five seconds. I get that. Yeah, just the issue, like that we can resolve. That we can resolve. Look for stuff that can commonly resolve. So you're not necessarily. Here's what I often see happen. We look. We we gravitate for the big problem. Oh look. Those two, you know, I don't know what happened. Uh, Matt stole money from Dave 10 years ago. Something happened, you know. And this thing happened, and now we're going to try to, we're thinking we're going to resolve the big problem, and resolve the big problem, all the other stuff gets better. That's really not really how this kind of works. Because what you're doing in this moment is you're trying to teach them how to talk to each other so that they don't come back to you to solve their problems, right? And you've got to teach them that they believe they can resolve their issues on their own without coming back to you. So you want to find some common issues that you can really resolve. So you kind of you come up with these lists of things. What is it? And then have a conversation. Which of these do we want to work on? Which of these problems do we want to resolve? And let's work on those. And by the way, my suggestion is I wouldn't take over a couple, three of them, right? And try to, and then begin to kind of work through that process of identifying challenges. I'm trying to leave a little time for questions. We're running out. And then it's a simple brainstorming with them. You know, what are some ways we could deal with this? What are some simple ways of approaching this? And then coming up with a plan that you can follow up on. So let's say this comes down to a problem between our, our children. This comes to a problem with how we have related to our own committees. Okay, let's work on that. What are some ways we can fix this? And remember, you're still controlling the conversation, couple of ideas. And then you end up with a plan on the backside that has some way for them to follow up, answer, 
and meet back with you to try to resolve it. And you're not trying to solve every problem they've ever had. You're trying to establish a pattern of this is the way we fix things. Is that making sense? So I took about a four-hour process in 30 minutes and said, kind of, hear something, right? We have about five minutes left. This is very simplistic, but it's also, take out anger, you don't have to have it. Um, <laughs> It's pretty simplistic, but it's also counterintuitive for how many of us try to deal with each other. So what, ch what questions do you have? What challenges do you have? What seems difficult? What seems to make sense? What seems like this is ridiculous? I mean, it's, it's fine. This is my last class. You don't have to see me again. <laughs> is it helpful to start off with maybe, say, one of the simplest common problems that they feel like they both have? So in, in, a, in a complex mediation, I tell you, Dr. Lowry taught me this once. We, we were co-mediating a huge complex deal between a couple of universities. And the first thing he started working on was like this most ridiculously minor thing. And I was pretty new, I was really new to the field. I'm like, what's on that? That's ridiculous. And even the other people were like, why are we talking about this? This is ridiculous, right? But it became obvious what he was doing was giving them some success. So I would say that if you have some time and you're going to meet with them multiple times and you can work them through stuff, sure, one thing is give them an easy, low-hanging low fruit so they can get some success going, that'd be great. Sometimes you don't have five and six times to meet with them. You know, and then you may have to go for a little more substantive stuff. I would just say one thing, I've got to run here and get the kids in just a second, but um, in the problem solving and the brainstorming part, I think that, especially in church, and as we're thinking about trying to train people of how to, to deal with problems on their own, we can't forget the importance of like prayer and asking Absolutely. for the help of the Spirit in that because I don't think that that's something that's really taught very much. And in this field, it's amazing. I, I had a long story to talk to you about a conflict I had with one of my law professors at, at Pepperdine mm -hmm. that was only worked out because that was the approach that I took. There was right. an inequity of power and this belief that you know we serve the same God. If you can get in the same room and we are and we are wanting wanting resolution get to that point, we can trust God in the process and we can pray. And not that that's going to undo it, itself, but, but it's going to help to... But it's, it's the structure we have right. that nobody else has. Right. Like when I'm out here, I don't get to use that one a lot, you know, right. when I'm down with something up the chamber, right? But down here, you have this part of our process is we're going to pray for each other and with you, you see, with each other so many times before we even talk again. All it's amazing things. the things that can be brainstormed that, like, I never would have thought of that, you know, yeah. like, and that helps to build faith and Fantastic. it helps to... to, to Great. I know we're right out of time. One more. What are the things that you're attuned to during uh, like during this process? I'm watching body language a lot because what people say and what they mean are almost always two different things. And you know, the only only not like five or ten percent of meanings really the words that people use. The rest are tone, intonation, and so I watch a lot of body language. They're sitting there going, "How's it going?" I'm fine. You know. Or just intonation and tone, and then challenge that. Well, you don't look fine. You know, you got your all clothes off, you're all leaning back, you look like you're going to slap them. You know, you're going to be fine. Help me with that. So the biggest one is not believing what they say, but believing how they present themselves. That's, that's a biggie. Well, listen, I know you go back, we don't have time right now. I was going to go back and look at Council of Jerusalem. When you had, there was a group of people highly respected. And what we don't see is all the other process that went on under that, right? We also we often look at Council of Jerusalem and say, that's how we're going to do it. We get together, we mediate, we move on. I guarantee you, it's not written in this text. All this stuff had to go on in that room. 
for them to come to some conclusion of where they went. So my thing is this. God is, we hopefully this semester we've learned a few skills. God has called us to be peacemakers, but he hasn't said it's easy. And especially in highly conflicted situations, you need to have some idea of how you're going to engage it going in, or it could be very bad and very difficult and very messy. And hopefully some of these ideas would give you some of that. And then give you the confidence to then choose, do I want to be involved, do I not want to be involved? But if I am, here's how we're going to do it. Okay? Thanks, guys. I hope you found this semester to be a little helpful. I enjoyed being with you. I'm sure Matt did too. I'll watch anything for that. So. <laughs> See you later. Thank you. Thank you.